You're listening to the Blackpool Church Podcast. To get involved in the life of the church, follow us on social media and join us for launch on the 17th of April. This is Season 1. RSVP. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Blackpool Church podcast. We're so glad you're here. Do remember to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode and follow us blackpool.church online and on social media. Um, My name's Jono, I'm hosting as ever alongside Andy. Hello. And John. Hey, hey. We are back. John's giving us a hey, hey, so we're all good. (laughs) Um, And as part of our Blackpool chat this week, we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. Mm. There's a few things that are a bit, we've noticed having been here a little while, a bit scary or have a reputation of being a bit scary here in Blackpool, Yeah, which wasn't something I think I was expecting when we moved here, but it's the way, yeah. Yeah, there's quite a lot, isn't there? Yeah. Roller coasters, a bit scary. I yeah. didn't think Blackpool would have a dungeon, mm. but it does. Apparently. But what I've, I've never <laughs> been to, have you guys been to the dungeon? I don't know if it's like been. a manufactured dungeon or if it's a genuine like dungeon dungeon. Well, there's not actually all that much history in Blackpool, really, is there, no. to be honest. Like, it's about 200 years old or something like dungeon. that. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm not, well, I don't know exactly what it is. And I've got, my biggest fear about that is that you go and they jump out at you and say something like, you know, and then he killed five people. And that was last Saturday. And then everyone <laughs> runs out screaming. That's my biggest fear about that, that there's no history to it. It's just modern day struggle. True story. <laughs> From last week. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so there's that, but then, so that's kind of underneath the tower. Yeah. But then there's the tower itself, which none of us have actually done no, yet. No, we haven't. No, but we haven't. need to. It's quite spectacular. I, I'm one of these weird people that I'm quite scared of heights, but I really love heights. I love <laughs> a, a viewpoint. I love going up high. I love a, like the top of a roller coaster. I love that, but I'm petrified and I want to die in that moment. Do you, do you guys have that? Do you like heights? I quite like heights, actually. But I know what you mean. Like, they do... It's not that I'm completely unfazed by them or something, but I quite like the adrenaline of it. Yeah. I yeah. think probably the, be- the best thing like that I've done recently was... Um, I always get the wrong name of it. Is it Tower Bridge or London? Tower Bridge, right? What, the one that's with the, the walk? With the walkway over the top. With the towers on it. Yeah, and they have... <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. Well, but London... <laughs> it's in London as well. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it is. anyway um, <laughs> but they've got a glass floor that goes yeah, over do. and it's over yeah. the road, yeah. which is really fun because then it's sort of yeah, like... That, that is good. It feels quite sketchy. That's good. But Blackpool Tower is a lot higher. A lot higher. A lot higher with a glass floor. Yeah. I, I haven't done it. We need to do that. It's Next not, week, we should record the podcast from the top of the tower. Let's do it. We'll see. <laughs> the <laughs> budget is... I don't know if the budget stretches. How much does it cost to go to the tower? I don't know. No. But the budget's so, what's so the bu- small. What's the budget for this podcast? <laughs> I don't think it has <laughs> a budget. We, <laughs> <laughs> we beg, borrow, and steal everything that we have, everything that we have here. There we go. Um, it's, it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. You, so you like one of those guys that orders a hot curry even though they can't handle the heat of the curry. Oh, they absolutely. kind of like the curry. Absolutely. Absolutely. When it comes I'm, to heights. I, lived, I grew up near, living near Bradford. So there's this, all this expectation that you just have the curry. And you order it, and then you regret it for the rest of the week. But then next time you go back, you still do the same thing. Absolutely, because you got it. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you guys like roller coasters? 
I, I do. Again, same story. I'm petrified. I'll just be silent. All the queue kills me. The queue is worse than the thing itself. You're queuing for sixty minutes, whatever it is, however long, and then you get there, and it you know it lasts thirty seconds, and then it's over. But that that anticipation of fear and mm. dread, yeah, it cripples me. It's part of the ride, isn't I'm it? I'm an extrovert yeah. until I join a queue for for a, for a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love a roller coaster. I have to say. Uh, yeah. We've not been to Blackpool Pleasure Beach yet. Yep. Which so again, is on our list So today. many things we need to do. Absolutely. But um, I remember I went on one on a school trip uh, in Spain. It's called Dragon Khan. Okay. And at oh, the yeah. time, it was the fastest roller coaster in Europe. And it was like naught to 130 miles an hour in some stupidly wow. short amount of time. And you felt your face kind of <laughs> pull back. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite something. Yeah. When... Uh, my my siblings would 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 come you know the end of year trip the reward thing for like people who've got above ninety five percent attendance at school or whatever they would all come to Pleasure Beach and I I didn't go to Pleasure Beach I went to a place called Flamingo Land come on Flamingo and when I went there were no flamingos but there were a roller coaster <laughs> or two and expensive drinks <laughs> it was a good trip though. Nick and I did school trips to Blackpool Pleasure Beach oh yeah growing up it was always I don't know why it was a maths trip. Like they called it maths, maths trip. Trip. Did you measure the you angles? Have, uh, yeah, well, yeah, no. On right. the on the bus, they handed out a sheet. Okay. And then everybody just sort of, multiple, you know, just scribbled through the sheet. And then you arrive, and it's like, right, we've got fun. And then maybe, it has nothing to do with maths all day. Yeah. Maybe maybe maths. The maths teachers got a bit jealous of the geography teachers. Yeah. Because the geography trips, you can go to the beach, you can go to the mountains. You, there's a lot of good stuff you can do with the geography trip, but you can't do a maths field trip, can you? No. You got a bit yeah. jealous. Well. Blackpool Pleasure Beach. Blackpool Pleasure Beach. Learn your maths. It's Learn your maths. Again. As if it wasn't scary enough. Now it's about maths. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, um, my, she's not on the podcast today, sadly, but um, my wife, Rach, she she went on a, a school like field trip to the Trafford Centre. Great. In Manchester. What what do you learn there? <laughs> Maybe more maths. You're spending all your money. <laughs> but that, that baffles me. I did, I did the geography, you know, go to the beach, you know, the clay, like cliffs of Yorkshire, all that kind of stuff. And my brothers apparently came to Blackpool Pleasure Beach. There you go. But I love a roller coaster, even though it terrifies me. There you go. So we're talking about something else, I suppose, today that makes us maybe feel uncomfortable, um, mm. but in a good way. Jesus good tangent. Time, good, uh, good, good transition. Good <laughs> um, And... Yeah, and so Andy, you're just going to share a bit of the, the, the kind of gospel passage with us, um, and then we'll have a bit of a chat about what, Jesus, what invitation Jesus is making in the midst of this, I suppose. Yeah, thanks, Jono. So we're, um, we're still on this sort of RSVP thing, this theme about Jesus' invitations, and this one, the invitation is come and follow. Um, and in the, in the passage, it's from Mark 10, Jesus um, meets this guy, this rich young guy. And he comes up to Jesus and he falls on his knees and says, good teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And he's basically saying like, what do I need to do to live forever with you? And uh, Jesus says, uh, why do you call me good? No one's good, but God alone. And, and then he goes on to say, um, you, like basically, you know the rules. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, don't do all these different things. And he's listing the, the Old Testament laws. Um, you'll recognize lots of them from the Ten Commandments if you know them. And then the guy says, I've done all that like since I was a kid. I'm, 
I've not missed, I've not made a mess of a single one of those. And then Jesus, in verse 21, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And the man goes away and he's gutted um, because he's so wealthy and what Jesus has asked is so much. And then Jesus looks around at his disciples and he says, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And uh, then, then he sort of makes this analogy and he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the, enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are like, okay, well, forget it then. Like, how could that possibly happen? And Jesus says, whatever's impossible with God, uh, whatever's impossible with man, all things are possible with God. Um, and so uh, our friend Hannah yesterday was sort of challenging us with this passage. Um, and I thought she had this brilliant idea, which was saying um, that following Jesus isn't, isn't about what you do, but it is about what you give up. Mm. And so she's just sort of laid before us the challenge of sacrifice, which I think this passage does yeah. lay before us basically, is that um, Jesus puts his finger on the thing for this guy that he's not willing to sacrifice, which is his money. Mm. And um, I guess he, Jesus stands in competition with that thing and basically says, so, uh, so it's not about the rules. It's about what you're willing to give up. And is there something that you wouldn't give up for me? And so, yeah, he's, I guess he's asking for sort of wholehearted devotion and sacrifice, which is a massive cost to think about. Um, but that seems to be connected with what it means for then Jesus to say, okay, well, come and follow me. Mm. And I think what's, what's interesting about, or what I always find interesting about that is that you kind of think, oh, that's a, you know, that's a ridiculous amount to ask. Mm. But ultimately, that's precisely the point of what Jesus was here for, is that his ultimate sacrifice, he gave everything for us, like literally leaving nothing behind. Yeah. And I think, and, and actually, I find it really helpful to kind of remember that actually all he's calling of me is to, or not even do this, you know, I don't think you ever would necessarily ask us to go and endure all the pain and agony that he endured on the cross. But like, there's a sense in which like, he's already done that and laid everything down. Yeah. And he just calls us to walk in that. And it's not that he's kind of sat there going, oh, you've not given up enough yet. Go on, give up a bit more. Kind of on some kind of high pedestal somewhere. But there's a sense in which it's that walk with me, isn't there? And actually, we can't walk with him. We can't journey with him when he's willing to give all that up if we're not. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, this is one of those passages that it's quite uncomfortable. It's why it's a good link into the scary thing. And the natural reaction is to immediately sort of start to unpick ourselves yeah. from it so that we hear Jesus say, what you need to do is sell everything and give it to the poor and then follow me. And we immediately start to go with like, oh, well, you know, surely didn't, it doesn't just generally mean everyone needs to sell everything. Yeah. You know, it obviously doesn't mean that. You think, well, it's not that obvious that he doesn't mean that. I mean, it's, it's, what, he say, it's what he says. And... Me and my me and my friend John, growing up, we always had this sort of thought experiment where we'd say, let's just imagine for a second that Jesus did want people to sell everything that they have and give it to the poor. What would he have to say to convince us that that's what he wanted us to do? And it just sort of puts the finger on the 
on the point, which is that when he says stuff that's that challenging, my natural reaction is to unpick myself from it immediately. And it's almost like there's nothing he could say to convince me because whatever words he used, whatever phrase, whatever context, I'd try and find my, find my way out. And one of the things that's, I think, to be honest, I think a bit ridiculous is there's this, there's this bit near the end of the passage where Jesus says, oh, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And immediately the preachers are up and they've, there's some theory that there's a gate in Jerusalem called the eye of a needle. And it's quite tight, but a camel can get through it and maybe it needs to take its bags off or whatever it is, or the person needs to get off it. And so they kind of say, ha ha ha, like it's okay. It's okay, you can get the camel through the eye of a needle. There's just a bit of work that needs to be done. And I think it's just such a ridiculous bit of excuse making from it us is. in the church, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Because there is no way that Jesus is having this interaction where he's going to go on to say that, that this is impossible with man. And then the analogy that he uses to describe impossibility is a camel going through a gate that camels pass through every day. Like, there's no way, there's no way that that's what's happening here. Yeah. What he means is a, 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 a needle and a camel. And so I think, I think my first reaction to this passage is that we need to sit with it and take the challenge rather than immediately, like, trying to get ourselves off the hook. Indeed. Mm. Yeah, and my reaction, you, you mentioned you try and unpick yourself. I try and unpick what Jesus, like, I just say, why? <laughs> what, why should I, why do I need to do that, Jesus? And something that I've found as I've, you know, gone through my walk and my faith journey, I've, I've found in the Bible that there's some flip sides where, um, you know, to, to gain life, you have to lose your life to to receive you have to give there's like there's two sides of the same coin so when we talk about sacrifice we think of this like oh just of like loss and pain and like i have to give up loads of stuff and and something the best news is for 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 those who who believe in jesus who have a relationship with jesus um when we give we will receive yeah when and um we quoted it last week as well. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not just give your stuff to the poor because they need it, although that's great. It's, this is worship. This is, you know, everything, every piece of your, every bit of your possessions, every bit of your words, every, every piece of behavior, every thought, is 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 either honoring or dishonoring to God, and the wonderful thing is within Jesus when we do something dishonoring um, to God, you know, when, when when we sin, when we mess up, there's grace for that, there's mercy for that, there's forgiveness in the cross. That's fantastic. So we can we can we have this unconditional kind of foundation of love that we can work from to learn what it is to to lose our life to to gain it to give to the poor. Um, those moments when we're greedy, we, well, there's grace for that, and that's fantastic, and I love yeah. that. And uh, something that Hannah wonderfully said on Sunday um, is she, she had this great illustration of, of donuts. Yeah. Um, I, won't, I won't try and tell the story. <laughs> she told it so wonderfully, but um, basically there was this guy um, who was eating someone else's donuts when they thought they were his, and, um, and she, <laughs> she landed the story by saying, 
God's got all the donuts. Nothing that we have, our money, our clothes, our anything, it's so much more helpful to think of our stuff, our possessions, as God's rather than our own so that they're so much easier to give away. Like um, <laughs> just now we were talking about a label maker before. It's like, well, if I bought that with my budget, that's mine. I shouldn't share it. Like it's not. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it, our money, our possessions, our clothes, our house, everything that we have is because God has given it to us, um, all the donuts, um, everything, <laughs> so that they're so much easier to give away when we don't think of them as our own. Yeah, yeah. And actually, it's so true that just, I mean, just very practically, generous people are happier. Like yeah. the people I know who are most generous, they're happier. And we, we all know that being rich doesn't make you happy. Like we all know that because we've yeah. read all of the stories of the yeah. insanely rich and famous people who have everything that they need and are bitterly unhappy. Yeah. I've all read all of those accounts. And yet there's still this thing that you think in yourself, oh, but I would be the sort of exception to the rule. Yeah. More would make me happier yeah. and less would make me less happy. Yeah. And actually it's, it's entirely the other way around. And we, I like, we know it, but it's just embracing that thing. And I, I think you're, um, absolutely spot on, John, that in a way, the invitation here that Jesus makes is the co go and sell everything. Yeah. Right, like that's, that is the invitation that is like a generous offer of like, go and do this because it's good. Because, you, you know, because you'll find your life when you do it. Yeah. It's like an offer. It's not a sort of, it's not a telling off or a, in some ways, it's not a sacrifice, but I say that carefully, but there's like a sense in which Jesus is offering him something, a freedom and a generosity of spirit. Mm. And gosh, that's like a hard thing for me to even hear myself saying, but it's been my experience as well that as Nick and I have tried to challenge ourselves with giving, for instance, we've just found like so much freedom in it mm. and fun even. Mm. And I think it's crucial that we don't overlook where Jesus says that he looked at him and loved him. Yeah. And that was after, he'd, after the guy had gone through and told him what a good person he'd been, effectively, and yeah. how he kept all the commandments, but before this challenge of we'll go and sell everything. Yeah. And I think, to me, that sets the tone of what comes next, in that it's not a case of... Oh Jesus, I've done all, you know, I've I've lived this perfect life and I've tried to keep the rules and you know, so then I'm in, aren't I? And he kind of scorns him and goes, No, you muppet, no, you've completely missed the point. But there's a sense in which actually he's going, Do you know what? I'm so proud of you for the choices that you've made and actually the fact that you haven't murdered, you haven't stolen, you haven't you've kept the Ten Commandments. It's not like dismissive of that and say, Well, actually, that was a waste of time, because actually what you need to do is sell everything. There's yeah. a sense in which he says, like, you've completed 99% of the puzzle here, but there's a crucial piece of the jigsaw that will complete the picture. And if only you can step into that, you'll find real freedom. And that's how I, and I suppose that's the tone that I see in this passage. And it's in, and, and to me that, if, if you eliminate that, it reads very differently. But with that, with that, Jesus loved him. And then he said, because, almost because I love you, the, you know, this will allow you to, as you say, to unlock something really precious and really special here, rather than it being another burden to put on. Well, you've done it, you've kept these 10 rules, but I've got another one for you. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I think maybe just as we sort of finish, it's worth, I guess, remembering our context in that with all the stuff that's going on in Ukraine at the moment, that there's like a, there's a re, there is a real pressing need yeah. for us to be willing to sacrifice and to give for others. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've, just as we've been reading in the news about some of the uh, work to support refugees and seeing how Poland has just, I mean, done such a remarkable job. The people of Poland done such an incredible job of welcoming people. Mm. I'm sure there's, you know, what have you, but of, of not setting up camps per se, but just families saying, all right, I'll open the house and seeing all those um, scenes of people at, at stations and airports with people's surnames on signs. Yeah. Like when you go on a exclusive holiday or whatever, and they've mm. got the sign yeah. that says your name. What an unbelievable picture that is of God's welcome yeah. Yeah. and um, his, his generosity in sacrificing. And uh, man, I hope our country will welcome people like that as well. I hope our church yeah. will welcome people like that and look to our spare rooms or to our money or our stuff or whatever it is and get people's surnames on the, on the cards. Um, one, because I think it's just, the, it's just the right thing to do to in standing up against the evil that's going on there. Yeah. Um, but also because I think we'll come alive in it. Yeah. I think it's what the church is meant to be. It's like heir to the church. Brilliant. Well, that kind of wraps us up today. Don't forget, we launch uh, officially on Easter Day, the 17th of April. And this podcast series is really just taking us through some of the kind of core vision and values that we're going to have as a church. And we're so excited to journey with that. So do make sure you join us next week for our next instalment. Um, We're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you've joined us and make sure the 17th of April is in your diary. Come and join us for our launch here at Blackboard Church.